What's up, everybody? Let's go. This is the In The Dome podcast. You know what? We were feeling pretty bummed, actually. I, like, you this know whole what? contract situation is kind of is it's lingering over everything. Listen, I've been feeling kind of bummed out. Somebody asked us, like, hey, boys, stoked for rookie camp? And we were like... I'm not stoked. Face. Yeah, I'm really. not stoked for anything because it's like, I don't know. This whole contract situation and all the uncertainty has kind of like taken it's taken the fire out of my belly. But I am kind of stoked after getting this prepared for this podcast. Yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm too. fired this, up. This brought me up. I was down. I was down, but not out because. And now I'm back in. And up. What we're gonna do today is do a deep dive into Dylan Dubé and Andrew Mangiapane. Two very promising young players. Can we just can we just back that this whole like depression thing? What depression thing? My personal depression? No, not your personal. This oh. this whole down face. Right. Because I mean, what we've been doing, we've been doing. If you haven't followed us on Instagram, follow us on Instagram and if Twitter. If you haven't followed us on Twitter, follow us on Twitter. Because what we're doing, we're kind of trying to do like a daily live. Yeah, video. it's just like the energy. We felt it today. We felt it hard. We I felt like, it yesterday. Ugh. I felt it yesterday. Well, we even recorded a podcast, which I put out today. You can even, even kind of tell. We're just kind of like... Even in the podcast. We're really grasping here. We're grasping at straws here. Because... Yeah. There's nothing happening. You explain it. Okay. We did a... You know what happened? Was we did a synopsis together. We're like, why do we feel like this? <laughs> this is unacceptable. Some, what is that called? Not, it's not a group thing. Introspection. Introspection, yeah. Internal and mental analysis mm-hmm. of the situation. Because we both noticed it yesterday. We're like, we aren't into this. What's going on? Where's the energy? There's no energy. There's no energy. Okay, so what's happening is, usually at this time of the year, we're super excited, right? And I mean, everybody's been all over the place like, okay, when's it October yet? Is it October yet? Yeah. We've been, we've been like, is it October yet? Super looking forward to the season to start. However, there's this looming thing going on. And you know what? Now that I'm starting to talk about it, I'm starting to feel it again. So maybe we shouldn't even just talk about it. I guess Could we should talk about it. Do me a favor. Could you shut up? Could you just... Shut up. But it is looming. It's because like we can't get excited for anything because like there's so much unresolved. Now it's like it's like when you like go on vacation and you're like really excited, but there's like all this shit in your life you haven't figured out yet or something. And you're like, yeah, I guess I'm gonna go enjoy myself, then I gotta come back to this. Yeah. It's like with all the uncertainty and all the questions, it's kind of like putting a big downer on everything. And really the only uncertainty there is is the Chucky situation and the Mangiapane situation. But I mean, it just seems so much has to happen. I don't feel like there's too much to worry about the Mangiapane situation. No. But yeah, I guess the reason why you feel like there's so much needs to happen is because how much caps... Do you have enough cap space to sign these two guys? Don't. And what's he going to do? I know. I mean, somebody asked him yesterday. He didn't seem too concerned. I know. He's just kind of like, yeah... Whatever. We'll figure it out, I guess. It's and I like, guess, what the fuck? The season starts in like less than a month now. I guess unless you're an NHL GM, you don't truly know. No. Like, what are, the, what are, this, what are these guys' work day look like? Uh, yes, yeah, like what's he doing? From the outside, it looks like he's not doing anything. But I'm he sure like he, George Costanza I'm sure he's on not. vacation. And then like, what what is he actually feeling internally? Like, I doubt he's being honest with the media. He's, everything's he's like a mental break. Everything is posturing. Oh, it's to- that stuff he said about Manjipani yesterday is complete horseshit. I see right through it. It's posturing. Yeah. That's all it is. Totally. It's the exact same thing that Chucky's agent did. Like, yeah, exactly that. Three like, and a half weeks ago. Totally. It's all posturing. It's all BS. It's all starting to bug us. Come on. Let's get something done. Let's go, baby. In case you did miss it. Oh, no. We covered it. But in case you did miss it, yeah. somebody asked you living straight up, are you waiting to sign Manjipani until you sign Kachuk? And True Living said, no, that's not the case. Manji Pawnee's hell bent on his position. 
we have offered him what we've offered him. When he's ready to play, he can come back. That's pretty much what he said. So he basically said publicly, he's not moving. Any, he's not moving he put negotiation his wise. in the ground. Yeah. So, anyways, that put a damper on things. Yeah. All Chucky things. And you know what? I think it's okay. It's to, gonna be okay. But I think it's okay to but feel until down. it's okay. I think it's okay to feel that down. That is okay. But I'm not gonna lie. I feel down about it. I'm super bummed about it. I'm not even bummed. It's just I'm bummed that I'm not excited for the season to start. Because again, usually this time of year, I'm jacked up. I'm like, okay. Rookie camp's coming up, then we got camp coming, who's going to make it out of camp, what are we looking like? I mean, we're coming off an amazing season, and it's just like, uh. So, if things had gone differently, and by, was it, September 5th, you already have Kachuk locked up, you got Mangiapane locked up, and you're under the cap. Because what I think, again, this is what we probably think was going to happen this season. We are going to trade Brody for a top six forward, be better in... The top six. Yep. Get Chuck signed. Get Manji Pani signed. None of those things have happened. Well, and then you so it's like everything that's happened this off season has been like regardless of a bummer. Any, regardless of any to do list for Brad Chi living this off season, the number one highest priority item. We said this way back when. The signing Matthew Kachuk and it's still not done. It's not now. Good. It's not as big of a deal you wouldn't think because the rest of the league hasn't done it either. But it's still, like you said, it's harder to get excited until you know that that situation's been resolved. It sure is. And so it's okay if you guys are feeling bummed out. We're feeling it too. But doing this preparation for this podcast, because we're doing a quick deep dive on Dylan Dubé and Andrew Manjupani today, this is going to get you excited. This will get you excited, If this doesn't get you excited about the upcoming season to see what these guys do. Unless Manjupani holds out and never plays another game. Okay, right? (laughs) There's no way he's, he's gonna, gonna sign. Come there's on. There's no way. I don't. There's no way Manji Pani doesn't start game one. I don't believe the the uh, there's a contract and we're not moving and he wants this much. Like the dude has played forty. Like what? How many games? He played forty four NHL games. It's all minutes. posturing. And you so know what? Like, he's not gonna get over. He's not gonna get anything much more than a million bucks. That's probably what he's gonna get. So it's just like it's all posturing. Negotiation is just a game. Yeah. They're, like they're everybody's a game right now. Everybody's just going through the steps. They're going yep. through the motions. Yep. You have to come in high, and you have to come in low. Then you have to pretend that's too high. You have to pretend that's too low. Exactly. Like it just ha- that's how you negotiate. And I mean, negotiating. Obviously, I'm negotiating. An agent and a general manager are gonna be expert negotiations in some right. Exactly. I mean, that's what they're paid to do. Like I don't think Manjupani has much to do with this, nor does Kachuk. It's the agents and Tree Living. Yeah. Okay. Let me get this straight. You held out for less money. <laughs> Daily Seinfeld reference for you. Okay, let's get into this. So we're gonna focus on the good old Dylan Dubé and the good Dube. old Andrew Mangiapane. Let's start with Dubé. Let's start with the Dubster. Dubé. Now, Dube. See, I want to hear some Dube more than Luke. Before we do though, like I didn't under realize how good Mangiapane was. I know. This is what I've been saying. Looking at his junior numbers. This is what I'm telling you. And this is so exciting because honestly, as a as a fan of the Flames, my whole career, my whole life, whole career. <laughs> it, does, it does feel like a job sometimes, am I right? <laughs> life, right? Anyways, my whole life, Flames fan. I never really paid attention too much to the, the junior leagues and the guys coming up, the prospects. I never really did. I was always just kind of like the NHL level guy. Well, plus, we come from an era, again, we've said this many times, where it's like we come from like the Daryl Sutter era or even previous to that, where it's like we literally had no prospects ever. Ever? Ever. This is like. The first time ever I remember having actual legit prospects. So it's like, it's like, oh, Max Reinhardt got called up. 
oh wow, he sucks. But we're like, oh, maybe he can be good. Ooh, Eric Nystrom. Yeah, Eric remember his dad, Bobby, scored that game-winning goal? He's going to be just like him. Seriously. That's what it was like. Two seasons recently. later. Oh, that was a short career. <laughs> he sucks. Anyways, so, yeah, it's interesting to actually have a few guys in the pipeline who are, like, actually good. So, you want to start with Dubé? Let's, Let's start Dubé. get into it. Dylan Dubé plays center, shoots left. I spelled his name wrong on my sheet. Well, you didn't have a little, uh, what's it called, a... Uh, what is that thing? No, no, accent. you spelled it wrong. It's an accent. See, I knew that looked weird. No, I spelled the same as you. No, his first name. Oh, you did. I'm sorry. I thought Dylan was D-I-L-L. I don't want to use the R word on air here. So. Dylan is a bit of a... It's a bad name. Dylan? It's not a bad name. Dylan! Sounds like some kid from elementary school. It's not as bad school. as well. Stuart. It's okay, like we're Stuart. probably going to have a Stuart or a Dylan listening, you jerk. Sorry, Dylan. Or it's... You said Stuart. Well, just because you brought up Dylan. <laughs> it's not a great name. No, we Dillweed, Dillhead. Yeah, dillweed. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's funny. A, it's an easy pick. I was doing name. some cooking like in this like not too long ago. I had dillweed in the cupboard. There you go. I'm like, oh my god, dillweed's actually a thing. Yeah. Anyway, dillweed, dillweed. Okay, center shoots left. Born July twentieth, nineteen ninety eight. The guy just Lord. The guy just turned twenty one. Where were you in nineteen ninety eight? I was in. I don't even know. I was eight. No, I was seven. Nineteen ninety eight. I I think I was a bit. I, I was like high school, just great, starting high school. Great podcast just started high school <laughs> in golden bc he was born born in golden bc now he played here in calgary and in airdrie he played in airdrie and i remember this because i'm from up north a bit so just north of airdrie he played like, like a hop skip and a jump away I'm from a airdrie, hop skip and a jump he played 2011 when he was 13 years old he played um for the airdrie extreme bantam triple a i remember because i tried out for them in in i think it was double a or single a i didn't make the what year were you born 90 90. Oh, wow, you're so well older than this was, guy. That was like eight years before. But I remember now the extreme Bantam, because they were always like, Airdrie is like, if you're from if you're from like small town Alberta, Airdrie is like the hub of like, kind of like central small well, town Alberta hockey. Airdrie always had a good team. Like you had always. Good they players. had the best hockey program. Yeah, good players come out of there too. Um, I think Mason Raymond played in Airdrie, didn't he? He played, did he play in Cochrane? He's from Cochrane. He might have played in Airdrie. I think he, he had a tie ratty. There's a few guys who actually came out of the Airdrie program who made the NHL. Anyways, played for Airdrie. And does Airdrie have a, a midget triple A team? Do you know? I think they do. Midget triple A? Actually, I, I don't do. I don't think they do, actually. I they do. I kind of think they don't. Well, they didn't when I played, I don't think. Okay. His height, 5'11". So just a smidge under six feet tall. His weight, 187. Just an aside, Airdrie does seem to have a triple A team. Minor midget triple A. The Avalanche. Or the okay. Bisons. I don't know. They seem to have a midget triple A program. That's good, man. I'm a big proponent of like a, a triple A league made up of outside Calgary teams. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, drafted second round, 56 overall. 56 overall. 56 overall. Good in, little draft pick. In 2016. So we obviously picked a little bit later in that round. Yep. Maybe in the, in the, in the last third. Maybe oh, the start that, the, last that was third. the Austin Matthews draft, yeah. So Austin Matthews, Patrick Liney, Clayton Keller went seventh overall. Clayton Matthew Keller, Kachuk. That's the Matthew Kachuk. So this is one of our best drafts. We get Kachuk and Dubé. Love it. One and two. One and two, baby. So oh, get, we picked Parsons ahead of him too, eh? Wow, interesting. Oh, so we had two picks in the second we had round. Two picks in the second round. Oh, that's a that's a that's a. I mean, round. I'm looking at the second round picks right now, and I mean, other than Samuel Gerrard, I mean, Dubé's probably. Won't, one of the best players in the second round, so I'm liking it thus far. Okay. 
Now, should I go right into, right into the report card? Let's get right into it. Okay, report card. Remember, we changed this last podcast. We're doing it now based on a one to five, five being absolutely outstanding, one being extremely poor. So we got some categories we go through. First one is size and strength. And so what I did is I did a current evaluation as well as a projected, projected evaluation of what he's going to, when he averages out his career, what will he end up being? Mm-hmm. So size and strength, I got him at 3.2. Yeah, this the size and strength thing really does seem to be his only, like the one thing that like could be a hurdle. Yeah. Yeah, he's five, what is he, 5'11"? So he's a little small. And the thing is, he got injured twice last year. Yeah. Like, first shift. Yeah, first shift. That was a cheap hit, though. But still, yeah. you got a guy like Gabranson coming. Like, it was Gabranson, right? Yeah, Gabranson. The guy's huge. Yeah. Plus, a guy, if the guy's huge, and you're small, and he does a bit of a cheap shot, yeah. you're getting injured. You're fucked. You're fucked. So, size and strength, 3.2. I feel like, as an overall career average, he's going to be sitting at about 3.8. Yeah, and I mean, again, the game is changing so rapidly fast that it's not as much as a problem as it was even five years ago. So. But he seems, even though he's a smaller guy, and I mean smaller, he's not overly huge. I mean, okay, if you're six feet, you're not that small. Right? Like, I'm 6'2". He's only three inches shorter than me. He's not and I that mean, small. I mean, he's he's pushing 190. Once he fills out, he'll be, he'll be over right? 190. I mean, that's actually a pretty... That's not too small. That's actually a pretty solid size in today's game. Yeah, like 190? you kidding me? That's a solid... That's a solid... That's a solid boy right there. So, I feel like... But I don't... I kept the size and strength at a 3.8 on the yeah, career spectrum. Because, just because I don't feel like that's going to be his, his... Yeah, it's not going to be his game. His it's not going to be his skill and... It's not going to be his dominating feature. Yeah. Skating, however. Skating. Got him at a 4.0. Yeah. And averaging at a 4.2 over the career. I would, yeah, I'd say that's about accurate. Maybe even higher. Yeah, maybe, maybe even standard. higher. I feel like super agile. I feel like guys set themselves apart in terms of like if they're legit skating is unreal. Yeah, like with the high end being somebody like who, like, um, well, like a Dylan Larkin. Yeah, like great example. Obviously, everybody's thinking of McDavid. I'm not even going to mention his name. Yeah, he's like in a league of his own. Even like Zarnik, yeah. right? Speedy. Yeah. Yeah, so, like Larkin. I feel like he's right in the mix, but I feel like, and this is the other thing that always goes hand in hand with skating is can you keep your feet moving while you have the puck? Right. Because a lot of times you hear this all the time is that when you get the puck, you stop moving your feet. You have a tendency that your mind wants to just focus on what you're doing with the puck. So you stop moving your feet. So if guys can keep their feet moving while they have the puck, and I feel like he's actually really good at that. Well, that's why McDavid is so good because he can... He can make plays at a high, well, at the highest speed in the game. Yeah. So, I mean, a 4.2 rating is not that low. Yeah, no, no. But we're we're saving we're saving the, the top of the top for, you know, the top. For the guys top. like Larkin and McDavid. Yeah. So, next, let's go to shot and scoring. All right. Well, I mean. Are you got anything to add to that or you want to add No, it? no. Okay. That's, that about covers it. I got him right now at a 3.5. Well, I mean, if you just look at his actual, like, numbers, like, the dude has scored a shit ton. Okay, you're looking at junior numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Do you so, want to go over some of those right now? Yeah, why not? Might as well. Jump in. I okay. mean, in Kelowna, like, he did, he, in his first year in Kelowna, the WHL, he had 17 goals, 45 games. And that's as a 16-year-old, by the way. 16. 17-year-old, 26 goals, 65 games, so a point a game that year as well, 66 points. And then his third year, 18 years old, he had 20 goals, 40 games, 55 points. So he, like, he was... On a point per game basis and goal per game basis, he shot up. Each Look year. at that fourth year. Fourth year. Year four, 53 games played, 38 goals. 
Am I missing 46 a fork here? What year is that? 2007, 2017-18. Why is that not on my... I got my uh, I got my notes from Hockey Reference, and they're not on there. You gotta go to Hockey DB, baby. That's crazy. Hockey DB. All right, good thing somebody's paying attention. So, yeah, four well, years straight, he was better. The main thing that how I in terms of sum points. up him as a player is he drives play. Mm-hmm. And so... I mean, he's, you know what he did? Is he scored a shitload of goals his last year in junior. 84 points in 53 games. But when anybody has a tendency to double up and assist yeah. over points, it means they're offensively minded. Yeah. But as far as, first. as far as a Patrick Liney, yeah. Austin Matthews, game changer, puck on the stick, it's going in the back of the net. Yeah, sniper. That's why right now I have him at a 3.5 based yeah. on last year's. I feel like overall he's going to bring me a 4.1. Because even like a Patrice Bergeron. Right. He's around a 4.1 yeah. as far as shooting score. Mm-hmm. But as far as playmaking and driving play... Yeah, no. Five and I five. mean, we didn't see enough of him last year to really get a good look at him and like how it translates to the NHL level. He only played 25 games and had one goal. So, again, what did you have it projected to be? 4.1. Okay, yeah. Totally agree. Okay. Puck handling. Puck handling. Now, this is definitely one of his stronger suits. I got, I got him already at a 4. 4 he's out of 5. He's a great puck handler. And I got him projected to be a 4.5. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So that's like one of the yeah. Like who would he, who would be a comparable? Do you think in terms of his puck handling skill on the team? Just because like he could go anywhere on the team. Like does, I don't he, know, does maybe, he come does he come across more as like a Sean Monahan or more of like Johnny? I would say probably more like Elias Lindholm, but okay. Lindholm probably has more like. What do you would you call that? Just, well, I feel, I just feel straight like, up I skill. Like, I feel like Dubé has much more upside, much more skill than. Elias Lindholm. See, when, you, when I think of skill, I think of yeah. like one-on-one ability. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I'm, I looking, like... I'm just looking at his uh, all-three zone player comparison tool, if you've seen me use that before. And again, he only had nine games tracked last year. But sometimes when I'm looking at puck handling, I will look at how guys enter and exit the zone. And Dubé was, even in the nine games that his uh, stats were tracked, quite good at entering and exiting the zone. So that tells me he can handle the puck pretty well. Just to backtrack on that real quick, I feel like Lindholm, skill versus skill, has more skill. You think Lindholm has more Has more skill. overall skill. Mm, I kind of, I don't know. Well, maybe. Yeah. But I would say Dubé, as far as driving play, I would just, is better driving see, play. See, I would switch it. I would switch that. Interesting. Okay. I would switch that because I think we've seen Lindholm four years in the league. Or is it five years now? Four years? Four years in the league. I usually have a tendency to lean on the side of the Swede, though, when it comes, to, when it comes, yeah, to, that's true. When it comes to skill. Lindholm has shown that he has only shown one season that he can be an elite point producer, which I think Dubé... I think if Dubé becomes what he's projected to be, he's a 60-70 point guy every single year. So, we'll see. All right, next. Yeah, I mean, like, look at those junior numbers. I Right? Like, those are insane. That last year is crazy. And, I mean, even he's a 19-year-old, but still. But still, 84 points in 53 games, and that's 38 goals. Yeah, and, yeah, 38 goals, 53 games. I made oh a side God. note. I don't know if we have any old-time listeners. And, to be honest, I never really got to see this guy play much. I saw him in highlights. and Dubé. I I only saw him in, w- in the World Junior. I'm not talking about Dubé. Oh. I'm talking about who I... Oh, the player comparable. Who he may be, who he kind of reminds me of. We got Jay Feaster over here. In a weird way, is Dougie Gilmore. We got Jay over here. It's like a kind of similar style. Well, how big was Gilmore? Gilmore wasn't huge. But then, then I looked at Gilmore's. Holy shit, just as an aside, did you print those off? Yeah. Oh my god. Gilmore's stats. Let's look at this real quick. He played um, two years in the OHL. He played. There's that, 68, one, there's that one year. He played two years, 68 games, 
119 points in his first year. Oh my God. 177 points in 68 games. He had 70 goals in 68 games in the OHL. That is mind-boggling. What year was that? Like 70? 1982. 1982. So, Gilmer broke into the league. He, he came into the league right like was good right away. St. Louis... Uh, his fourth season was the best. He had 105 points in 80 games, 42 goals. Keenan to Calgary was putting up, you know, 80 point, 90 point seasons. And then when he moved to the Leafs, he had his best season, um, 127 points in 83 games. Yeah, so now he traded him for nothing. Now, obviously, if you're comparing statistics to statistics, there's no comparison. There's style of play. Is that what style, you're saying? Well, style of play, yeah. And I feel like. No one is that dominant now, anyways. No. You look at the OHL. Even Connor McDavid didn't put up 100. And Nobody's even close. There's no way. I don't even know for sure, but I don't think Connor McDavid put up 177 points in 68 games. Watch him put up like 600. Right. Make me look like an idiot here. So <laughs> I don't know. Hard. <laughs> like I said, I never really got to see Doug Gilmore play like growing up, but I kind of just get the sense that they have similar. There's ear yachters right there. Where? Oh, so he got a, so yeah, hundred. Holy shit! Hundred twenty points in, in forty-seven games. games so not even as good as Gilmore. Gilmore's better. That's still crazy. In case you guys are wondering, Gilmore's better than McDavid. You heard it, heard it here first. Doug Gilmore better than Connor McDavid. So, anyways, just throwing that out there as a as a compare, yeah. player comparison, just for fun, mostly. Well, okay. Since we're on that same note, I actually have some because I was going to get into this later when we were talking about his AHL production. But since we're talking about player comparisons, yeah, I have a list here of other twenty year olds who managed a point per game or better in the AHL. Okay. When they were twenty. Yeah. So the list is something like this: Logan Couture. Yeah. Derek Brassard. Excellent. Kyle Palmieri, David Krejci, Dylan Strome, J.T. Miller, Claude Giroux, Christopher Stieg, Bobby Ryan. Cool. Artem Anisimov, Kasperi Kapanen, Chris Tierney. And a I'm few glad, more in there. And I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of times that's a pretty good list. A lot of times you compare the AHL to the NHL, and you're like, well, if you're in the AHL, you kind of suck. Blah yep. blah blah. But it's not a bad league. And if you're at a young guy, especially, and you're there in developmental purposes, and you're putting up point per game, I mean, that bodes well. Look at that list. Yeah. Like, I mean, the, the, one of the closest comparables is, so Dubé was putting up 1.05 points per games played in the AHL last year. Again, he only played 37 games. But the most similar player I can find in terms of games played and uh, similar point production is Claude Giroux. Wow. So that's why I'm kind of like, he could be a super, he could be a high-end player. All right. What do we got next? Let's touch briefly too on his uh, World Junior. Oh he, yeah, I mean he was the captain of the team, wasn't because he? Because I didn't, I don't like I said, I don't follow a lot. Of, I'm probably gonna start now. You better to follow more of these junior teams, especially we have prospects. Like, okay, when Dustin Wolf comes to town and plays Dustin, with Hitman, let's go, let's, let's go watch, let's go, baby, let's go, baby. We'll see you in the stands. So, but I do remember Dubé coming out of the World Juniors. Yeah, because he was the captain of the team. He was the captain of the team. Yeah. So played two tournaments, two years. I mean, he had three goals, two assists in seven games, and three assists his first year. Sure. I mean, nothing I mean, crazy. Those tournaments are like so small sample size. Yeah, it's tiny sample size. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's where I remember him from. I don't remember him from the Kelowna. No, me either. But he did dominate in Kelowna. Yeah. So, physical play, I got him coming in at 3.8. Yep. I got him maybe averaging out at 3.9. Well, like yeah. I said, I feel like on a physical play, when you think of physical play, I think a guy like Bennett. Yeah. Yeah. Great example. Whereas you could still be a really, you can be a competitor. Yeah. But maybe not necessarily so physical. Like I haven't seen from Dubé what I would say like 
about like something like about like Mark Jankowski or who's like I'm, like even if you just go I don't want to compare Gaudreau to Dubé but like if you talk about Johnny Gaudreau like super skilled not physical at all I haven't seen the same kind of like apprehensiveness or like I haven't seen Dylan Dubé dominated physically as much as you would expect yeah I see what you mean like he's been injured a couple times but I mean I still think give him a year or two and he can like that won't even won't be much of a factor is his lack of size and strength because I think he is such a smart player well and he's shown a willingness to be like I when we watched him play like I didn't see him doing the Mark Jankowski actively avoiding contact thing right 100% and I mean that jump alone going from junior to the NHL yeah that's a huge jump huge huge jump yeah. so the fact that he actually came huge out jump. made the team huge <laughs> the fact that he came out made the team like that says a lot. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then even when he got sent back down, yeah. he still played absolutely incredible. Yeah. No, he was great in the NHL. Okay. okay. Next? Offensive play. Right okay. now I'm ranking him at 3.8. Okay. Um, but potential will be 4.3. Sure. And like I said, I, to me, this guy, he's not going to be like crazy. I don't see him putting up crazy numbers. What I... Okay. But I do see him putting up solid season over season yeah. contributions, solid contributions. Like maybe like a David Krejci. I would say, yeah. I would project him to be as an offensive producer, as like kind of like your traditional second line, maybe like if he plays center, like a second line center kind of guy. 60 points kind of like yeah. in that range. Like throw out some names. Well, I think the Claude Giroux one was incredibly interesting. I don't think he's going to be as well, good as Claude Giroux. Claude Giroux had a couple hundred point seasons. Yeah, didn't he? like yeah. a ton. But yeah, hey, David Krejci. Yeah. Very even, similar even like, numbers. Even Logan Couture. So that I, might be a good comparison. Logan Couture, David Krejci, even a guy like uh, Dylan Strom. Is he on there? The Strom guy. Was I think on you there, mentioned right? him. Yeah. yeah, Dylan Strom. Like I mean, that he's been pretty solid in Chicago. Yeah. Um, but I mean, even like a guy like Chris Tierney, who's in Ottawa now, unfortunately. But I mean, he's probably like a solid second line guy. So I really like the David Krejci comparable yeah. a lot. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, to get into that upper echelon between 4.5 and a 5, you have to be... Oh, exceptional. You have to excel yeah. above, well above average. It's like if skating Connor McDavid is a 5. Yeah. That's... that's so I think any any forward that wants to have a successful career production-wise, yeah. if you're over 4.0, you've hit the mark. Again, and especially when we're doing what it is now to what it could be. Yeah. So now i got a 3.8. Yeah. And projected to be 4.3. Yeah. Defensive play, now 3.8, projected 4.5. Yeah. Like, he's, I mean, the, he struggled when he was in the, in the, his possession metrics. Like, I mean, he was on the fourth line. Right. And didn't play a lot. So he did struggle, obviously. But I mean, I think his defensive game is not, is only going to get better. Right? Yeah. I agree. The guy's shown, he's proven he can think the game. Yeah. He's if a he, smart player. If you can think the game and your body can keep up to your yeah, mind, totally. You can be play positionally. And you should have no problem on defense. Yeah. So I think I think his um like he just like his possession metrics weren't great last year in terms of shot share. He was on the ice way more when they were like negative thirty was his Corsi plus minus. So they were getting a lot of shots while he was out there. But I mean, I think give him a year or two and give him some a lot more playing time, and you'll see that totally disappear. Yeah. So these last two categories, I feel like will set him apart as an NHL player. Yeah, totally. So hockey sense. Right now, I already have him at a four, yeah, which is high. Like four is high; it's above average. Probably league average is is probably around three point six to three point eight. So the lowest in the league, Alex Jason. Alex Jason, three point two. Three point two. How about point three two? 
How about 0.32 for Alex Chase on Hockey IQ? Minus. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Hockey Sense coming in at 4. I got him projected to be 4.5. He's a really smart player. And then I'll couple that with competitiveness. Same thing, I'm at 4 already. Yeah. And then I project him to be 4.6. I haven't seen anything to suggest otherwise. So, those two categories alone, I think, will be where he makes his bread and butter. Yeah. Because the guy, like I said, to me, what he does, what, what makes him stand out is he drives play. Mm-hmm. He knows how to drive the play. Super smart. And in that kid, let's go into strengths. Sees the play well, good understanding of the game. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, that's fundamentals. If you have a good understanding of the game and you can and you can read plays and see plays, it's that hockey sense component. Right. Then anything else you can learn on top of that. Well, again, like I think if you look at these player comparables, the numbers don't lie. Like similar players, like I said, Giroux, Krejci, JT Miller. Like these are all guys who he's kind of similar with in terms of point production in the AHL. So though, like, there you go. You can't really deny that. Okay. Second strength, they got a good skater, skates well with the puck. We covered that a bit. Yeah. But, I mean, if you can't, that, that today's day, today's game is built on speed. It's built on puck movement and speed. It's also built on being able to exit and enter the zone with efficiency, which he seems to be okay at so far in his limited time in the NHL. Yeah. First year looked great. Yeah. So he's going to be building on that. Yeah. Um, number three, shown solid hockey sense. We t- I talked on that already. Yep. Uh, com- he seems like he's a guy that can play within the fabric of the game. Mm-hmm. Seems to be. Now, I wouldn't slot him into that what we were talking about yesterday. What is it, a game breaker? Game breaker. Like if you're like a, a guy who can come through at the right moment like yep. Johnny Goudreau. Now, I feel like he could be a part of setting up the game breaking yeah. situations. But I don't think he's going to be your go-to guy like Austin Matthews. You know what? I kind of think he is the... He is what he is. I hope what I thought we thought Sam Bennett was with less uh, physicality. That's a great way. That's a great way to put it. I think we all thought Sam Bennett was going to be that number two, one a one B centerman. I think this is what Doobie Doobie Doobie. I think this is what Doobie Doobie. He could be what we thought Bennett was going to be. You know what's funny? Because when you say Bennett right now, and you kind of think like, where does Bennett go wrong? Sometimes he just looks lost. Yeah, he's yeah. And then I compare that to Doobie. The guy doesn't look lost at all. He looks like he fits in. He looks like he belongs. Yeah. Already in his rookie season. So I think we, I don't know. I feel like this I mean, is a and solid he even prospect. struggled in 25 games. Like he struggled hard and a lot of the time he didn't look out of place. Exactly. So so I, I don't know. I feel like a solid prospect. Number four, offensively minded. Offensively minded yet defensively responsible. Yeah, no, totally true. I think he's going to be a pretty, come out to be a pretty solid two-way reliable player. Number five, competitive, wants to win, and wants to prove himself. I, I don't sure know where I, I don't heard it. I just heard like a couple days ago, but yep. coming into the camp last year, he was like, I was the person telling myself I was going to make the team because mm-hmm. no one else was. Yeah, he made the team out of junior. Who, Nobody when does that happen? Team. Very, especially in the Flames. Very when rarely. When does that happen? Very rarely. Like, I was pretty shocked. I was too. I was like, Dubé's making on the team. But, wow. then, but then I was like, when I watched him play, I'm like, hell yeah. I know. And I know, I know we want to see more out of him. I think we were even a little frustrated with how little he played. Yeah. So, yeah, I have no worries about, like, he's, dude, he made the team out of junior. So he'll be competing for a top, like, not a top roster spot, but a, a, a full-time roster spot. I think he's... He'll be competing for a mid-six. Well, maybe that third I line. I would say mid-six, but I think, yeah, we'll see. He'll be competing for sure for a third-line spot. Yeah, for sure. And to me, that's that's all I want to see. I know. Just show up Give and want to win. Be there. Like, if a guy competes, 
who cares what a skill level is? If he shows up every night, right, you might be like, oh, man, I wish that guy had more skill. Yeah. But he obviously has skill. But if, like, that's, that's the... That's like the Mark Jankowski... Right? It's like, the dude has skill, right? But it's like, night in and night out, it's like, where the fuck was Jankowski? Disappeared. On the foundation of everything, you need a guy that wants... He wants it. Every night. Areas of improvement. Consistency. Yeah, no. And I mean... Who, this is an area of improvement for all young be more consistent. for all young guys coming to the game. Yeah, even the guys like you look at Pedersen, came out guns a fucking blaze, shot of a rocket, and then he tapered off. Yeah. Which is like you see that guys in their first few years in the in the league, it's a that's a grind. That's a hard season because eighty two games of Oof. intense hockey. Yeah, there's no nights off. You take a night off, everybody sees it. Maybe Gretzky could get away with it. Gretzky, Lemieux, those guys to get away with it. Yeah. They take a night off, they still get three points. Exactly. So, consistency, ability to withstand the league physically. Yeah, I think so. And I think, again, that's why he was sent down, right? I don't think he was sent down because he was 100%. like, oh, he is so bad. It's like, hey, we just need to give this guy a little more seasoning in a professional league. It's like protecting your asset. Exactly. Plus, you saw him get hurt a couple times. So Yeah, they're probably like, shit, man. I think I get hurt yeah, again. Yeah, he gets hurt. And he's done. Injury. Like, like, this guy has so much upside and potential. Yeah. Let's send him down. Totally. Let him, you know. Bill Peters says this all the time. I heard him say this like six times last year. It's like, it's better for them to be down and playing power play. I, top, power I play 100% minutes, agree. Top line minutes. 100% agree. Than to be wasting away. Wasting away in the press box and playing on the fourth line. Yeah. Totally agree. So, yeah, I think that will come. And I honestly, think, just a side note. Sorry to interrupt. How dare you? That's Bill Peters' biggest strength is managing that. Yeah. And I mean, could you ask for any more from a coach? No, you can't. And to put players in a position to succeed? That's all you want. The only question mark around Bill Peters right now is the, the, is the goalie goal position. Training. However... Which is not even... Yeah, we'll see how that plays out. We'll see because it sounds like Riddick was hurt since January. Yeah. And I'm not sure when that St. Louis game... Or that San Jose yeah. game was. Can you pull so it up? Uh, San Jose game? Yeah, it was. San Jose at home they lost. I think it was like... We'll pull it up. We gotta figure out. Like I mean, but just back to the consistency thing. Like I mean, if you if you look at the numbers he put up in the AHL, he's over a point per game. I mean, that just shows to me that once he is able, like he's now has some seasoning in a pro league. He's thrown the ability to fr- thrive. It was in February, and now he's coming into camp with that experience. Knows has an idea of what it takes to play almost a full season in a professional league. I think he'll be ready to go. I think this. I think he is primed for. I really hope so. I think he is primed for a breakout. So you know what? Just how you've been saying that you wouldn't be surprised if Monge outperforms Limholm. Mm-hmm. I won't be surprised if Dubé outperforms Bennett. No, me neither. I think that. I think the chances are quite quite high for okay. Dubé to have a good season. So you found that game. It was in February. It's February the seventh. And what was the final score? The final score was. Well, let's take a look here. Get the highlights right there. Let's go to the first. 5-2 five, five, San Jose Sharks. Yeah, there's Smith and Net. So just if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about, we talked about them on the Riddick and Talbot podcast. It's the game in February against the Sharks when Riddick had the start. Yeah. And then he let two goals in really early. Like this one's not even three minutes in. Not a great one. And then he challenged Brett Burns for that race at, um, at the blue line. At the blue line. And lost. And then he lost it and Burns scored and then Peters pulled him. Eight minutes into the game, pulled. Shortest lease of all time. This is not the right game. And the only thing that really fresh... No, I think they scored a little bit later. Oh, yeah, they do. Okay, so the Flames came out to an early lead in the first. Yeah, and then Johnny gives it away here. Here it is. Yeah. 
So Evander Kane beats Riddick here, 5 hole. Yeah, that see that was a weak goal. Yeah, so so Riddick lets in one weak goal from Kane, and then I think it's the next shift he comes up to challenge Brett Burns, yeah. gives the puck away, Burns buries it into the empty net. Two one. So Riddick the, was pulled at the six eighteen minute mark. You're you're only down by one goal. You're down by one, and you pull your goalie, and you pull your number one, and you put in Mike Smith. You then the, came in and let the three. The four thing goals. is, it'd be different. Yeah, like it'd be way different if Mike Smith wasn't Mike Smith. Let's say it was Chad Johnson. Yeah, and he'd only played ten games all year. Exactly. And he's kind of like different. he's he's your secondary goaltender, a guy who's yeah, and maybe Rick is having an off game and you put him in. But the thing is, he put in Mike Smith, who's been like letting in four or five goals a game. <laughs> yeah, I you're mean, like you you feel like that's gonna spark the team. Yeah. No, Anyways, I had a bit of an atten- a bit of an aside with one issue added with the build. That was the only issue I had. I was yeah. in love with the guy. Other than that, yeah. But that was a big question mark for me. But it's nice to know that if he was injured. And we didn't know because that's the thing. You the, still don't know. The media, the fans, we don't get to know all the little minor injuries throughout the year. Yeah. So if Riddick was dealing with something that you know Bill Peters knew about and that was part of the decision-making process, yeah. I just hope to God that he doesn't suck at managing goaltenders. Yeah. I agree. Okay. So okay, yeah. back to Mr. Dubé. Areas of improvement. Can he withstand the league's physicality? Yep, and we'll see. And not even the physicality, but the, the grind of showing up, being... An, Playing NHL games in that and Yeah, both that. Because yeah. like, that's like the first test. You take a look at a guy like right? Monge, and we'll get into it. Yeah. He's slippery. I feel like he can he can Amazing. navigate his way through the physicality of the league. Yeah. But Dubé's style is more driving play. Yeah. So he's gonna be he's gonna have to deal with more physical. I don't well, know, again, I see, I, again, I see him playing more like what we thought Bennett was going to project to. Where I see Manjupani is more of a comparable, not to, a com- direct comparable to Goudreau. But kind of a similar type player, small, shifty, that kind of player. So, yeah. so that's one question mark I have. Yeah, because we already seen it in the first season, and then first he got game. injured twice. First shift, he got cranked and hurt. Yeah, and then when he came back off his injury, I think it was the first game. Well, I remember Duncan Keith almost killed him too. I think that was the second injury. It yeah, was, it was probably like a small concussion or something. So I don't know. he was injured twice really fast. So that could, uh, I think those are two cases of kind of bad luck, but also like. And okay, part, we'll part of it is the age, yeah. right? As he matures, his body grows more physical. So that's, I think the organization did a good job there. You got to protect your asset. Totally. Uh, but the, to me, obviously, it's something that came up. So I got a question mark around that. The other thing is, and this is the same for all players, he, this guy just needs to get a little bit better every year. Yeah. If he can be a little bit better than he was last year, he's on the team. Which he's shown he can do in, the, in, in junior and... I mean, again, he had a great... Oh, say, after he was sent down, what did he play, 25 games last year? Yep. He was sent down, again, he had 37 points, 14 goals in 35 games. In Stockton. In Stockton. Yep. The only player who scored a higher rate was Alan Quine. Um, so it's not like Dubé was just down there with a couple of veterans just, like, picking up points. Like, he was he was driving play, picking up some points. Yeah. So he was excellent in the AHL last year. Yeah. Which you, you, it's not it's not a it's you can't can't be a slouch and put up goals and points on there. It's still a pro league. So yeah. I mean, he was great. Hundred percent. So that's the other thing for me is if he can keep getting better and better. Yeah. Then he's gonna be a hell of a player. Totally. He's got yeah, a lot. Like, he's got I a lot of him, upside. I feel I like he's got a lot of upside and a lot of promise. I think for me. he's definitely got top, obviously top six upside. Like. Yeah. High in the sky, he I have, could be a top-line player, but I think he's definitely a top six for sure. Yeah, I think he's a solid second-line center. Yeah. And I, I think I think I do project him to play at center. I don't know. We'll see, I guess. 
I don't think he'll play much at center this year, barring injury or anything, but we'll see. Anything else you got on him? Nope. Let's jump to your buddy Monge. Andrew Monge Pawnee. I really want him to have a good year this year because, my God, do I want a number 88 Flames jersey so bad. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he's kind of like your secret closet favorite Flame right now, isn't he? He totally is. Like, he is like... Because I've been saying this because ever since we've been into this, like, apparently we're not getting a player via trade in the top six. It's like, who's going to play on the second line? And my answer has been Andrew Mangiapane is the guy who could do it and could do it very well. So he is my secret favorite flame right now. You know what's kind of funny? Especially, okay, I even goes back further. That goal he scored in game one, come on. Come on. Come on. Unbelievable. But you know what's kind of funny about that? Mm. You know who my closet secret favorite player is? Dylan Dubé? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> oh my God. It's so weird how that, oh my God. How that happened. <laughs> okay, Andrew Mangiapane, left wing, shoots left. Born April 4th, 1996. Yep. In Toronto, Ontario. School of Toronto boy. He's a good old Toronto boy. He's 5'10. I mean, doesn't he seem smaller than that? But I guess 5'10 is pretty small. 5'10 is pretty small. It's like almost Johnny Gaudreau small. Yeah. 5'10, 184. So, how old is this guy? He's, He's 23. Yeah. Okay. He so, turns yeah. He's 24 in April. He's 23 currently. Um, he was drafted in the sixth round. Which is crazy because I have here in my notes for on NHL Central Scouting, he was ranked at a number 85. Well, it's a size thing. So obviously it's a size thing. It's really weird. It always comes down to size things. It's, it's funny. It's so weird. But this league is getting smaller and faster. It's just unbelievable that you would let... Well, again, I shouldn't jump the gun here. Like He scored, what, eight goals last year? And I'm treating him like he's a superstar. You're treating him like he's a god. But, like, but I mean, come on. But like, okay, here's the turning point for me. Let's look at his OHL stats. Oh, man. So as a 17-year-old, he played his first year in Barrie for the Colts. 68 games played, 24 goals, 27 assess, assists. So he had 51 points in 68 games in his rookie season. Rookie season. That was his 17 year Now, if you think that was decent, check <laughs> this. He doubles his production. So in year two, let's just look at year two and three. They're very similar. Year two, 68 games played, 43 goals. 61 assists for 104 points. 104 points in the 68 games. Like, I'm sorry, but how often... Like, guys who score 100 points... Well, we were just looking at Connor's numbers. He had 120 in 47 games. Yeah. Not too far off in terms of the O. And that's Connor, mother effing McDavid. Right? So, his third year, 59 goal, 59 games played, 51 goals. Scored 50 goals. He's just about scoring a goal every game. Right? And he's got 55 assists. So he's basically a two-point-per-game player. Like, how many 50-goal scores have there been in the OHL? I'm this just is, thinking about this now. And this is major... I should have done my notes before, like, but... Like, I get it. If you're if you're in Tier 2 in Junior A, playing WBCHL or something like that, you're putting up 100-point seasons. It's hard, man. Like, yeah, you're, you're going to go places. You probably make the NHL. In, in OHL. But in the, in the majors? In the major major leagues? Like, come on. Major Junior. I shouldn't say Major League. Come on. Okay. So yeah, this dude has shown the ability to put up massive numbers. Like the guy is offensively skilled. He, his, I think he's got more offensive instincts than Dubé. In that last season, I mean, he's put on good playoff numbers. In that last season with the Barry Colts, 15 games played, 10 goals, 11 points. So he's got over yep. a point per game in the playoffs. I love it. So he was drafted. When was he drafted? He's drafted by the Calgary Flames 2015. Sixth round, 166th overall. Like I said, he was ranked. He was projected to go around like 85th, so 
pretty good pretty good pick that year by and you got that draft pulled up living in co yeah anything you want to touch on there um this was the dougie hamilton i've touched about this many times this is the year we traded for dougie hamilton and could have selected uh barzell or chabot or Ajo. so this is Connor mcdavid draft yeah Connor mcdavid jack eichel number one and two dylan strome mitch marner noah hannafin number five hannafin zach Wierenski, number eight ranson and timo meyer barzell brock, brock besser in 23rd overall and then sebastian Ajo, 35th Ooh. Okay. I think we picked Shillington this year as well. Okay. Report card. I'm going to try and zip through this. zippity doo So you got current and projected size and strength from 3.1 to 3.5. But I don't feel like that's much of a hindrance for this feel guy. Like it, yeah. Especially well, showing the ability. Until the league, pen, if, let's say the league does pendulum back. Yep. I mean, it's going to be a while. Back, yeah. It's still getting smaller and faster. Totally. Still. And I mean, he played. He was one of the Flames' most effective players in the playoffs. He's shown the ability to get it well, done. He was one of the most effective players in the last 20 games yeah, of the season. Yeah, exactly. So when shit was going down, when, play, when you know, the playoff ramps up, he was able to that line to of, score goals. That line of Ryan Hathaway and... Manjipani. Like, night after night, there was they like... better than... There was like a two-week straight there that they were yeah. the best line on the team. Totally. And I mean, this is honestly no slight on on Hathaway, but if you're playing with Hathaway and you're producing, yeah, exactly, and dominating possession wise, I loved Hathaway's grit. Yeah, and he he made was a major part of that line. Like that line but was still so effective, like so effective. So I feel like the size and strength, even though it's not a he's not ranking high on that, I don't think it, I don't think it's a hindrance. Yeah, maybe a bit. Like, have we seen him get cranked like Dubé did? Have we seen him really no. get... No, he's smart. He's, he's elusive and smart. He's elusive and smart and he's slippery. I mean, I guess that's elusive and smart right there. Okay, skating, 3.8. Really? Yeah, that low. See, I think he's an unbelievable skater. And I guess... I guess it's 3.8. That's not too low. I guess, yeah, 3.8 is not too low. Yeah. And I guess part of it is probably the small strides factor. Yep. He's not... I've never seen him blow by anybody, but he's quick. Well, I mean, again, we've only seen him play, what, like... 54 NHL games. And so. plus, he had that, he was timid. Yeah. He was, he was intimidated, you could tell, the first half of the season. So I think, yeah, I think he's super speedy. I think he has excellent speed. I think, and what do you have projected at? 4.2. Okay, yeah, that's the, yeah, that's, that's more my, now you speak in my language. And part of that, like, intimidation factor is more so probably, like, the adjustment. Yeah, right. Like, you gotta remember when you, like, okay, wait, we talked about this Saturday. When you make a jump from, Playing in the midgets to playing junior hockey, it's it's massive. It's like it's like I you can't go, even imagine. You go from playing boys to men, so now it's the exact same thing, right? And these are the the best, the best in fastest the in the world. So selected all over the world. So I feel like part of that, like I'm saying, yeah, we looked intimidated, but part of it's like an adjustment of like figuring out how do how do I get my foot speed going in this in this yep. style of, this level of hockey. So, anyways, yeah, three point eight now projected to be four point two. Like, I don't think he's ever going to be, like, that dominant, like, Dylan Larkin skating ability. No, I don't think so. But he's fast. He can get he's around. speedy. Yeah. I don't... Yeah. Do you think he'll be faster than Johnny? Um, I don't know, because they're... I think maybe. I think he's a better... I think he's an overall better skater. I think he's got that... I think Johnny's skating's a little underrated. It is. He's very explosive. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just so... I guess... Yeah. Cause like you see, you can see him pull away from guys, right? Like I'm thinking specifically of that overtime Colorado goal when he scored on the yeah. breakaway. You can see he has well, that pull away speed. He's any, fast. Anytime you yeah. see him on a breakaway, yeah. And again, I don't think I've seen enough of Manjipani. Like we've seen half a season of him. Yeah. I don't know if I've seen quite enough to be like, 
oh man, he's one of the fastest guys on the team. So yeah, maybe Goudreau's probably faster. So shot scoring already, you got him at a three point eight. Yeah, I got him projected to be four point four. Dude, he's got a great shot, and he scores. He's got unbelievable offensive instincts. Yes, one hundred percent agree. He does have a great shot. He's shown that. It was yeah. the first goal against Vancouver. Yeah, against that, Vancouver. That, that goal was one timer. Unreal. That was sweet. And then obviously the goal against Colorado. But I mean, yeah, the dude can shoot the puck. He knows where to go to score. Yeah, he's great, great. He's, he's he's great driving play, man. Like I mean, and here's I guess are we doing shot and scoring? Yeah. What do you feel about Mangiapane and Dubé on a line? I love that. So here's my recent most favorite line combos: is you move Lindholm to center. Yeah. And then you, um, on his wings, you go Dubé Mangiapane. That kind of makes how about me? How about Dubé in the middle, Lindholm on the right? Oh yes. Mangiapane on the left. Fuck yeah. Would that be your third line? I'd say that's your second line, if Kachuk's on the top line, because then you roll back and Bennett, right? Yeah, I don't mind that. I'd like and then that maybe you're, maybe it's like your it's not even a second third line. It's like two A two B. I like that. And then whatever a line, lot. whatever line is like depending on who you're playing. I like that so much. Okay, puck handling. I got him at four. That's high, guys. He's a pretty good puck handler. Projected to be a four point six. I yeah. mean, that's in the upper echelon of the league. He's a great puck handler, man. Physical play. 3.2. I don't see that changing much. I don't see that changing or being a hindrance or, I don't know. We'll I got it projected to be 3.3. But the thing is, is like, some people don't need to play physical. Like no. Johnny Gaudreau. Doesn't need to. If he starts playing physical, he takes himself out of the play. Yeah, exactly. He diminishes his ability to to be a threat. So I feel like Mon is going to be in the same category. Yeah. Offensive play, 3.8. Yeah, I'd say, and what do you have it projected? Uh, 4.3. Yeah, like, I just, even looking at his analytics, like, this dude was an offensive possession monster last year. Um, like, his goals above replacement per 60 minutes, his rate was the best on the team. 0.75 goals per 60 minutes. Best on the team. That doesn't mean he's going to be the best goal scorer, but um, he was ahead of Goudreau and Monaghan, and he only played 44 games, so obviously that's inflated, but, I mean, he still showed the ability to score goals at a unbelievable level so even though he did only get eight and 44 based on his shot quantity and quality yeah. he could be a really good offensive player just based on these two guys this is a really cool question i'm gonna do a twitter poll on this mm-hmm. who do you think has a better career well man see that's tough i'm inclined to say dube just because he's the higher draft pick he does seem to show a little bit more potential he's maybe a bit more well-rounded yeah so I'm my my instinct is to say Dubé, like maybe career wise. I wouldn't be how su- they project. I wouldn't be surprised if Monge puts up more points. Yeah, that's exactly. But Dubé has a more successful career. He's a more effective player. Because yeah, I think that's where they differentiate. Is Monge Pani could put up a shit ton of points. But he Monge Pani, I could see him being in that category yeah. of who do you project to be like a hot a because I kind of. Again, we haven't. I haven't seen enough of Dubé. What do we call it? Game breaker. Game breaker. I could see him in that category as game breaker. Dubé or Mangiapane. Mangiapane. Yeah, I think Mangiapane. Because for sure. earlier we were saying Dubé, I don't really see him in that category. Because you put a, you made a good comparison earlier, like a guy like David Krejci. I could see Dubé being that. Yeah. Whereas I could see Mangiapane literally being like not quite Johnny Gaudreau, but that like dynamic offensive game breaker. Yeah, like maybe like a Marshawn, but not Marshawn did. Yeah. So. Yeah. I would, I'd be inclined to say Dubé is probably the better player over the next five to ten years, but 
I could see Mangiapane being an offensive force. That'll be interesting to see the comparison. I I just hope they both have... They both reach their potential. Dude, if we not even have, Not even for the sake of being a Flames fan. Just exactly. for the sake of, like, these two guys, man. Yeah, like, I know. They're beauties. beauties. Again, if those two guys reach their potential, if they are both top six, even if one of them's top six and one of them's middle six, dude, having a core of Gaudreau, Monaghan, oh, Chuck, if he ever gets signed, Manjapani, Dubé, Lindholm up front. You're talking, like, that would be great. We're going to start rivaling Tampa Bay. Seriously. And it's interesting, like... The more you kind of slice this down and break this apart, it's like, was last year a fluke? Yeah, I know. I don't think it was. Like, Tampa Bay dominated. Look at their lineup. Yeah. Look at our lineup. I know. Okay, defensive play. And just as another side, this is why I'm so against trading draft picks all the time. Yeah. Building through the draft is so important. Yeah. So important. So you shouldn't be just throwing all your draft picks away all the time. Because was this the, the draft we were just looking at where we got... Actually, had no, it's Dubé. We had... Dubé was 2016. We got we had, Chuck and Dubé and Parsons in the first two rounds. We had two second-round picks. Yeah. Instead of having zero. Instead of having none. This year, we didn't pick until the third round, right? Exactly. Oh, no, we... No, no it was not until the third round, right? Oh, no, we had Pelche. We had Pelche. And I don't think we picked in the second at all. We might, might have been but I mean, there's been years there where we have had no second round picks, no first round picks. It's oh, just it, like I think it was the year before because of the Hamannick thing. Oh yeah, when we missed Hamannick. the playoffs. Yeah, we didn't have a first round pick. That's frustrating. So, dude, it's like you, I, building through the draft is one of the most important things, and I think we've seen it in past, like in this entire history of this franchise, especially if it's through like the '90s and into the 2000s where Daryl Sutter was here, like. You cannot be screwing around, and you have to build through the draft. That's how you build a successful team in the salary cap era. You need as many opportunities of guys that could become something as possible. Totally. Defensive play, 3.8, projected 4.2. Yeah, I think his defensive play was actually really good. I was looking at some of his uh, RAPM, so that's a regularized adjusted plus minus. Um, He had some really good defensive rankings, so like pretty solid. Um, so he wasn't getting dominated. Again, that line of he, Ryan, and Hathaway. Right, fourth line. Were and they excellent. Were, they were so reliable in, the, right. in their own end. It was unbelievable. Like, just check out their, uh, just some guys um, with or without you. So the Corsi four percentages with Andrew Mangiapane. So Garnet Hathaway with Andrew Mangiapane, 55.49. Without Mangiapane, 45.79. Crazy. So he was much better offensively and defensively. Um, Derek Ryan was pretty good all around, but he did. He was better with Manjapani. Noah Hannafin, surprisingly, was much better when Manjapani was on the ice. Travis Hamannick was better. Rasmus Anderson was better. And Mark Jankowski was better in terms of possession metrics. So, I mean, he's having a positive effect on the terms of the team's shot share and chance impact. So, I really like that. I think he's a solid defensive player. Yeah, I mean, he was so solid that last third. Yeah, that fourth line was so good. Hockey sense, coming in high, 3.9 right now. He's got elite level offensive instincts. Projected projected to be 4.4. Yep. Again, like I could see him putting up, not numbers similar to Gaudreau, but being in that kind of like high-end, like scoring, playmaking. He might be, you know who might be a good comparison for him is Braden Point. Yeah, that could be. Braden Point is like fucking so fast. Yep. Okay, competitiveness, 3.8 right now. Projected, 4.3. Again, he showed in the playoffs that he has the ability to do it. Yep. When everything's on the line, he stepped up big time. That was, like, that, that was the still, highlight of the I still remember game. that moment. We were, yeah, you and I were both that game. Yeah. I was sitting in the end they scored in. Like, I 
I lost my shit. Yeah, I, it's one of my most vivid memories of the past year. It's, it's him coming around. And Hathaway, and, like, basically yeah. strangled him. And unfortunately, that never got any better than that. But. Yeah. All right, strengths, slippery, skilled, and has hockey sense. Yeah. Those three things, that's a deadly combination. Oh, it's unbelievable. If you're gonna if you're gonna build a hockey player who's gonna be effective, I mean, come on, you can't pick three better attributes than that. I also have he's quick both physically and mentally. Yeah. And when you match those two up and they sync together, like that's that's such a threat. Defensemen deadly don't want to play against that. Deadly combo. Uh, another strength progressed as the year went on. Yeah, no, for sure, that's a huge strength. So it's kind of like opposite with Dubé when you kind of saw him like struggle a bit. And eventually have to be sent down. Yeah. Magic Penny only got better. He was our most improved player. He was excellent in the latter third of the season. Again, he only played 44 games, but I mean, boy, was he good. And then another thing I have on here is just out, like outstanding numbers in juniors. Oh, I know. Like, when was it? did he start? It was like February where he started really coming on there. Yeah. So. Okay, Aries improvement. I don't know. Is size a factor? Question mark. Maybe. Who knows? Is he like, or, I or is he built for the new NHL? I haven't seen him to be that again. Like you said, that to be a limiting factor because one of the scouting reports said he's small but he's fearless. Like you don't see him backing down from getting into the corners and winning puck battles. Yeah. You don't see him backing down from going to the high danger areas. So um, I don't know. I don't think that's going to be much of a factor. Like. We'll see, I guess. Like we've only seen forty-four games of this guy, but you never know. Okay. I mean, in the same vein, I have can keep up with the physicality. Yeah. Can he overcome his physical defects? Yeah. Which is other guys, he's below the league average in size and strength. So as long as you're, you have a guy like if you're smart enough, like, and you're quick enough, like Johnny. Yeah. And you can consistently. That's not an. That's not a factor for you. Um, then that's something to watch out for. Yeah. Totally. Can he take the next step? Can he continue to progress? That's the big question, man. Can he keep up his consistency? Again, everything, like I said, like I, I was saying, oh, I'm, I'm treating this guy like he's already a superstar. That's yeah. the number one thing that we need to see. Yeah. Is, can he be that guy? And this year, if he's going to play a full 82 games, it's going to be how consistent can he keep his game? Yeah, 100%. The other thing I have here is question mark is can he, can he be that player that does it himself? Yeah. Because I think, who did we, because I think he can, like going back to those, uh, those, um, with you, with you, without with stats. Without you stats, like I think he's shown the ability. He's he is the driver outside of like Derek Ryan, who was pretty excellent on his own. Um, he was a driver with a lot of those guys. Like he, like Hathaway has pretty poor numbers outside of playing with Manjupani. Um, he's shown the ability to make players on the ice like have positive effects on his teammates. So I think he can for sure be a play driver. Okay. As far as honing on a skill, like the guy is skilled. He's super skilled. Yeah. I don't know if you have any more stats or analytics you want to add on there. No. Okay. So what do you expect from Mangiapane? I mean, we kind of got into it already with the comparison with Dubé. It's going to be interesting to see how these guys progress and compare yeah. them as the years go on. Um, and hopefully this contract is, is not a, is a non-issue. Hopefully it's a non-issue. Hopefully in when training camp starts or when the season starts, this is like we've totally forgotten about this. Because, my God, it's getting kind of dicey, hey? Yeah. So what do you think? I guess what he's projected to get is kind of like two years, like a million bucks type thing per season AAV. That's probably where it would fall, right? Like I can't well, see him asking for more. The thing is, is like, this is a show me league. Yeah. And any, he's, only, any, he's played half a season. Any major league is a show me league. So if you want to be a guy like Pooley Arvey, right? Who wouldn't and, want to and, ex- and expect more for what you haven't done. 
You're crazy. Yeah. Well, see that again. I th- I think again, like what Tree Living said, we think is probably just posturing. Yeah. Like I can't imagine that they don't have some kind of a deal in place with Manjipani that is just waiting on the whole Kachuk drama to get figured yeah. out. I don't know. I mean, like you said, it's not like it's going to be a big number. It's not like Tree needs to, you know, pull a rabbit out of a hat in order to sign the guy. It should be pretty straightforward. It should be. Like, but when, I mean, when, like when, when you're looking at around that hundred million dollar mark, yeah. Like, how off can the two sides be? Well, again, like let's say he signs for a million, that gives you six and six, almost just under seven million to sign Kachuk. That's where it gets dicey. Yeah. That's why I think they're waiting on Kachuk to sign first because. Obviously, that's the priority. I feel like no matter which way you slice it, you still got to move someone out. Yeah, you have to. Because, okay, what is the best case scenario? Manji Penny gets a million on a deal and Kachuk gets what? Well, at this point... There's no way he's getting less than seven. At this point, it sounds like you're getting five years. Yep. So five years worth 7.3? There's no... That would be incredibly low. I can't imagine he gets... I. You know what? I don't think he's getting less than eight at this point. Is so he, right now you don't have we were at seven point seven cap seven point seven little under eight million. So, so right now I don't think you even have enough to get Kachuk done. No, even if he's coming on the unless lower, I'm totally misreading this. Even if he's coming on the lower end of things, yeah. if he is at around seven point three, and that is low. Because again, what is the low end of it? What's Aho, the absolute lowest? Six point eight. I can't imagine. If he, Aho is eight point just under eight point five, and everybody's like, "Wow, that's pretty low." Yeah, Kachuk isn't gonna like. There's no chance in hell. I think. If it's on a five-year deal, he's getting any less than $8 million. Even if this blows everybody's minds and he gets 6.8 mil. Which would be nuts. There's no way that's... You still don't have enough. You still don't have enough to get them both done. Yeah. If Manjipani gets a million. So somebody, something's got to give here. And this is why we're depressed. Ah, uh, now the circular nature of depression. We had to Hello, go... Hello, darkness, my old friend. Hello, darkness, my old friend. So, yeah. Okay, what were we talking about? <laughs> well, we're just kind of wrapping up on what, yeah. what we can... Pre- so I think, I think Manjipani this year, I would really love to see him get the chance to play even more so than Dubé because I think he, he's a year older. I think his or is he two years older? Well, he's a year older. He finished the, the team. Yeah. He finished on the team and 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 was a was a producer. In in the playoffs. In the playoffs. So, so that alone that alone means yeah, I think he slots in higher to yeah. start the season. So from what we've been hearing, they're probably gonna maybe slot him into the third line, like a Bill said Lucic, Ryan, Manjapani. I'd absolutely love to see him get some time if the backland Kachuk line stays together with those two guys. I would be absolutely thrilled to see him get a chance on the top line a little bit, and I really want to see him on the power play. So I think I think he can produce even in a limited role, whereas I would say like Dubé probably needs to be on the third line if he's going to put up numbers. Yeah. Um, I can see now why. And I mean, the, what is it? The, what's that the metric where you get the overall points? We know the line combos. Oh, the war, the wins above replacement. Okay, that's what I thought it was. Yeah. I can see now, because even now that I'm thinking about this, it's just like Manjipani on the top line may be the best way to spread out your depth. Exactly. Because he's a guy that can play on the top line. He's not going to make those two players worse. And he can produce. And those two guys have shown that whoever is on on their wing, they can, like, even if they have a inkling of offensive ability, Michael Furland... Um, Elias Lindholm holds a much better player offensively than Furlan. But, I mean, if you put a guy as skilled as Manjipani up there and a guy who can actually um, impact his teammates in a positive way, I think you really could see a really good return on investment there. Yeah, and it sounds like Bill is ready to, to try Lindholm at center because he feels like he needs more center depth. Yeah. 
But you still have, you still have Bennett as a center option as well. Yeah, and Dubé, like you have, I think you have some options there. So I think, I think, ideally for me, I'd love to see him get the chance on the top line. Obviously, he's got to earn it. He can't just show up to camp. They're going to give it to him. Yeah. He's got to have a contract first. But I'd be really curious to see him in the top six. As for Dubé, I think he needs to be on the third line if he's going to... Again, like, I don't want him wasting away on a fourth line playing nine minutes a night. Yeah. And then being like the guy who's stapled to the bench when the going gets tough and it's a close game. Okay. Do you? No, I agree. You, I mean, and I don't, and I feel really confident in be having a third round, third line role. Yeah, but the only question is then who plays on the fourth line? Because I, I would say your your third line would look something like Derek Ryan is your centerman. Maybe it's Mark Shankowski. I would prefer Ryan there, and then you have Sam Bennett, and then you probably I would like to see Dubé there. Yeah, that'd be a good that'd be a good line. Bennett, yeah. Ryan, and Dubé. And you can even do the thing at center if Dubé takes the left hand side draws and Ryan takes the right hand side draws, which they did a lot of last year. You do that, and your fourth line looks something like Lucic, Jankowski, um, Zarnik, I guess. But I would, I think Dubé, I think he needs to be given a bit of a chance there. Because, again, I don't want him just kind of wasting away on the fourth line. Not wasting away, but I don't like him playing like eight to nine minutes a night. Not really getting a lot of, you know, good opportunities. So. Okay. If, say, let's say Peters does want to put Lindholm in center. Yeah. Who becomes the second line center? Is it Lindholm or Backlund? I think it's Lindholm. Okay. Don't you? Well, I've always said I like slotting Backlund as a, as a third line. Yeah. But then the second line center has to be legit better. Then Lindholm? No, then Backlund. If you're gonna move, if you're gonna slot Backlund down a third. Oh yeah, yeah. But the tr- like the the traditional role of a third line is a shutdown line. Yeah. Like you play, play the Ducks, and you had Kessler. That's well, a third line center. That's kind of why I'm cu- I've been curious about putting Lindholm there. And I think again, I think they're really gonna try this this year because you did see they tried to get Kadri. So there is an appetite yeah. on this team to have another like more depth at center. Yeah. So that's why I really think they're gonna try it. So I think the advantages of it, and I think there are some disadvantages because. I don't know how well Lindholm can play center, so I get what you mean when you say, is Lindholm a better fit on the second line? Yeah. So maybe Lindholm does slot down to be your, like, your 3C? You know what? I, don't, sure. I actually don't really mind that. I don't mind it. Because the, the cool thing about Bill Pierce, the way he structures his lineup, is guys can move up and down on any given night. For sure. And again, it's not you generally how the league is run now, and especially you saw this last year, there's not the traditional 1, 2, 3, 4 lines, right? The, the one and four generally have the same. Like the one gets most of the prime offensive minutes and the fourth line plays less. But the two and three, I think in the new NHL, are becoming more like 2A, 2B. So then, okay, let's say you have Monty first line, back on second line. Yeah. If the third line is between Lindholm and Ryan at center, who are you going to pick? Say that again? Lindholm and Ryan? Yeah. Probably Lindholm. At center? Yes. I mean, maybe they could swap roles. Guess and just so. see you. But check this out. Chucky, Monty, Monge. Mm-hmm. Backlund, Kachuk, Bennett. Yep. Lindholm slash Ryan and Dubé. I just, you're not putting Lindholm on the fourth line is my only thing. No. So that's why I'd say Lindholm, if he's going to play center, Ryan would be the fourth line center. Yeah, but couldn't, can they, can one of them play, like Lindholm I can get, play I guess wing. Ryan can play on the wing. And Lindholm will play wing too. Well, yeah, but if they're going to move into center. Okay, well, it'll be interesting yeah. to see. So, so yeah, like, I don't know. I'm, I, I was reading this article earlier today on Flames Nation where they were just kind of looking if Lindholm is a good fit there. They're kind of making the argument that he's not as good at driving plays backland or Ryan. So maybe if they were going to try him there, he would be on the he would be the third-line guy. Yeah. So maybe go Lindholm, Ryan. 
Bennett or something like that. Okay. I don't know. We'll I, see. I guess like I guess we don't really know who Lindholm is without Monty and Johnny. No, and we maybe, don't. Maybe that's where where we, we don't know. We don't know yet. No, I don't. I don't think we do. Yeah. And I think he was there a little bit in the playoffs towards the end last year, and he showed some signs. I thought he was okay. Um, but yeah, I don't think I've again. I don't, I didn't watch enough of him in Carolina to know how effective he would be as a center. So I'm really curious to see it, but I don't know how well it will work out. This is going to be a really fascinating thing to see how this all plays out this year. All will be revealed. <laughs>